Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hey, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast episode. So glad you're with us. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder, and this is part two of John the Mormon Bishop. John was a bishop (laughs) in Brunswick, Georgia, and began to question his faith over a couple of things. Polygamy, Joseph Smith's behavior, um, the Adam-God theory of all things that... uh, someone brought to him with a question about and john is not sharing with his wife at this point but i'm eager to hear what happens next we're up to december of 2002 i believe um how did you remain a bishop with these doubts john well to be honest lynn i I felt like a fraud in some ways because uh I'm, i'm pretending to be a bishop but to just walk away from all of that when i hadn't reconciled how i truly believed um you know i couldn't put my family through that destroy my marriage i hadn't been married in the temple with my wife and we were married for time and all eternity so for me to walk away from my faith at that point meant um that that eternal marriage was broken apart and i couldn't do that to her while i still at this point, I was just questioning and, you know, trying to find answers for myself. And I, I just felt like eventually there would be an answer that would come. And I was hopeful uh, that it would be the path, the easiest path for me w- would be continuing in the morning church. <laughs> so did you, did you and Shannon have um, kids at this point yet? Yeah. Um, I think by then we had all four of our children. Wow. So, yeah. So this is 2002. Um, my son will turn eight in February. So I've got to reconcile oh, all this wow. really quick because as yes. a father, I've got to baptize him in a couple more months. Yeah. So what, I mean, so what happens? Cause when we ended last time, you were saying that you got to a point where you're being exposed to this information and you're losing faith in like everything except for, okay, there is a God out there. So how does how does God turn the corner? You said before, you know, He's kind of the thread puller. He's the pursuer. That's right. Um, well, so yeah. Um, so I mentioned that I had lost even my faith in, in Jesus, and as I began through um, Mormons in transition, just getting more comfortable with with uh, with the Bible. There's so many differences between the biblical Jesus and the Jesus that I grew up with. I mean, they had the same name, uh, but that was about it. Um, two totally different individuals. Uh, one. Um, was a man who became a god, and the other was uh, God from everlasting to everlasting. Lynn, I think you mentioned one of your podcasts, how uh, fundamental John 1-1 was to you and your story that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that is so contrary to Mormon theology. Um, So um, do I believe in the Jesus that I grew up with or the Jesus of the Bible? And since I didn't believe in Joseph Smith by this point or in Brigham Young, then I couldn't even accept the uh, the Mormon Jesus, I will call him uh, at this point. And so I I don't even know uh, who God is, but I know in my mind that there is a God. It, you know, just there couldn't be creation without without him. And so I knew that he existed. Well, I was so distraught by this point and spiritually empty and feeling like a fraud, um, not really talking to my wife. 
um, that I decided to take a few weeks off at, at around Christmas time. And a friend at work said, hey, she knew I liked to read. And she suggested I read this uh, book series called the Left Behind series. I'd never heard of it. Um, and so I you yeah. know, went, to, went to the library and got and got a copy and went home and began reading this story um, that, you know, I know it's a work of fiction, but, it, you know, they, they integrated so much of uh, what takes place. I remember being on the stand um, at uh, church as the bishop and, you know, just thinking about some of that and wondering, man, does the Bible really say that? And I'm up on the stand while other talks are given. But the number one thing that kept coming out to me in that story was um, – uh, salvation by grace. And, um, yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, and I, I was in a workspace faith that, uh, you know, the book of Mormon talks about grace. It says in uh, second Nephi that for, we believe that it is uh, by grace, we are saved after all that we can do. After all that we can do is the hard part. And I was certainly mm -hmm. trying to do my best, but I got to the point, uh, by the end of, uh, that year, 2002, that I knew, that unless I had a relationship with the biblical Jesus, that my life would never make sense again because everything else was gone. Mm -hmm. And on January 9th, 2003, I said, this is the showdown. Uh, so wow. that, that night I knelt by my bed. I'm one of those uh, nine o'clock is my bedtime. It has been since uh, high school, and, uh, <laughs> but I'm not a late night person. So it's nine o'clock and I knelt by my bed and, um, and uh, I um, asked, I told God, I said, God, you know everything that's been going on in my heart, and um, I know that um, that I need a rela relationship with Jesus, and um, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Please save me. And then, you know, I still needed to make sense in my mind about the doctrine is this prayer that I just offered, the magic prayer that I needed for salvation or, mm -hmm. or not. And so I, I said, God, what do you want me to believe? You tell me. How do you want me to believe it? I'm going to believe that. If you want me to believe as the Mormons taught it, that it's through my works uh, that I'm saved, then I'll believe that. If you want me to believe it as the Christians are teaching it, that's through grace alone, I'll believe that. You tell me. Wow. And, and what did you say? <laughs> well, that was, that's the thing. I was sitting there thinking, surely this answer is about to come. This was you know, a big moment for me. And so I waited. And then I waited. And I waited some more. And I, you know, I was so disappointed. Nothing came. So I just got in my bed and I tossed and turned and... <laughs> You know, an hour or two later, I roll over and I see a Bible laying on my nightstand and I thought, well, maybe the answer's there. Um, and But where do you go? So I picked up this big uh, King James version of the Bible and I do this thing called scriptural roulette where I close my eyes and just open up, stick my finger in. I'm going to read wherever my finger lands. But I, when I looked at it, I was in the index and I thought, well, that's funny. God, you want me to read the whole thing? Uh, but my finger was by a reference that said John 3, and it didn't hit me right off what John 3 was. So I thumbed through and went to John 3 to see what it said there. And there, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night, needing to know what uh, what he needed to do to be saved. John, a leader in the Mormon church, came to Jesus by night, needing to know the exact same thing. And the wow. words that Jesus used 2,000 years ago to teach, teach Nicodemus uh, salvation by grace. He taught me that night. And that was the moment that um, my life began to make sense again. Number one, I had a relationship with the biblical Jesus because he was just in my room and it just opened up his word to tell me um, that it is, you know, through belief uh, that we're saved. Wow. Oh, that is so cool. And so where's your wife? She's obviously not in the bedroom while this is all happening. <laughs> no, no, my, my wife and I are very different. She's a late night person. I'm not, and she's okay. not in the room. And this is and January, 
January. And you know what? That's the moment when you should be telling your spouse, guess what happened to me? But I didn't because I still knew what was going to happen when, when I went to her and told her, I don't believe in the Mormon church anymore. And now I'm a Christian. Um, and, so Lynn, uh, you're wanting to jump in here. What do you want to ask John or say? Well, I, I really want to camp there for a minute about how you went to the word and that's where you found Jesus, right? Yeah, that's right. In your room that night. Yeah. Um, many Mormons don't know where to go afterwards. And even if they do have a sense that there is a God or that Jesus is real, like I said, they tend to ignore him, right? Because they don't know how to reach him. And in Mormonism, you can't have this personal relationship. He doesn't, it's not like he knows you and he's going to show up and do something personal, right? Like open the Bible to the right place and then speak <laughs> to you. And yet this God has that personal nature. I would just right here say to any Mormons who are questioning their faith and who have decided Mormonism isn't quite where they want to be, but they still believe in God, that those answers are right there in the Bible and particularly in the New Testament, because that's where the words of Jesus are. You're not going to yes. find the direct words of Jesus in the Doctrine and Covenants or in the Pro. It might say, Jesus said this to me, but that's not a primary source. That primary source for the words of Jesus are going to be in the New Testament, and those are powerful just to read them, right? Powerful. Yes. In fact, Lynn, um, in, in Mormonism, you know, the, the answers uh, really should be coming through the prophet, right? He's the spokesperson for God on the earth today. And, you know, that was a big thing for my wife is having a prophet today. But, you know, when, when you look at Hebrews, uh, I think it's Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. What does yes. it say about prophets there? I mean, who, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that God's in spoke past times God spoke through the prophets in these last days he's spoken through his son right right so yeah. the answers are there I mean Jesus has told us and he answers he is our prophet today and he speaks to us through his words that's a very reliable I mean that's where you should go to get the answers yeah so to pick up on your story so then you're thinking okay so now's the time yeah. I should go downstairs and say Shannon <laughs> this is but you don't I'm almost there, right? Okay. Uh, because uh, now I'm a, I'm a brand new Christian and I can't even defend my faith. All I can defend is the fact that I, you know, Mormonism is false. Um, and, you know, I think God had a lot that he, you know, he had, what, what he had done was totally stripped me down to the point that was just him and that he could begin to rebuild my faith and who mm -hmm. I was. Yeah. And that's what took place from, from January 9, 2003, you know, for the next month and a half was that building up moment and he certainly built me up a lot better a lot faster than he tore me apart maybe i was just a little more humble then and listening to him but um you know as I, I progressed and into february again not sharing not knowing anything um, i'm wearing the mormon do um, uh, garment still because mm -hmm. i'm still a bishop but now i'm a christian and uh feeling pretty good now i feel like i'm kind of like an undercover guy on the stand <laughs> for, for God, but, i know this but, story <laughs> but uh you know i was really convicted i you know it's you know just found some teaching or some things that uh exposed to me that the symbols in my garments uh, you know how they came from uh the masonic teachings and you know i, yeah. I got to the point where I can't wear these anymore. It was just an affront to me as a Christian to be able to put these symbols on me. And so one night, uh, ditched the garments and my wife came when she was ready to go to bed to kiss me goodnight. And she didn't say anything. Um, but she noticed. And the next morning was the day that my wife's life began to unravel itself. Um, wow. So, did she initiate the conversation the next well, morning or did you, I, I knew that she knew, 
um, and because I go to bed earlier than her, I get up earlier than her. But yeah. I, I got up that morning and went for a walk around the block and, you know, just prayed the whole time. I knew what was about to happen to her. And I knew how this was going to impact her because I'd just gone through this myself and how, how it, it destroys almost everything inside of you to learn that, you know, oh, this is false. Yeah. Um, uh, but I came home that afternoon and everything that God had opened up to me in that six month period of time, I dumped onto her on one Saturday morning and gave her the whole thing all at once. Oh, oh, fire hose. <laughs> I did. used to do that all the time when I was first saved. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I laid out the history of the church and Mormon scriptures and said, look at this and look at this. And I just threw everything at her and tried to just, you know, I want her to see why it was I didn't believe, but all at once. And it was just too much for her. And, uh, you know, from that point on, she saw that there were some issues, but it really, rather than me thinking that it was just going to put her where I was immediately, it didn't. Um, right. And, um, and yeah, it, seldom does it. Uh, our marriage went through um, a little bit of difficulty to say the least <laughs> sure. from that point on, uh, you know, she was very concerned, you know, again, she had felt like Satan had introduced that Adam God thing to me earlier on. And, um, you know, this was just really too much for her to deal with. And she's trying to reconcile that. And I, I said, okay, tell you what, prove me wrong. Here are all the books. You just prove me wrong. And um, I just hoped that uh, she would begin to do research on her own and start to find some of the same things. And I would say that the next month or two was kind of a roller coaster in our relationship. You know, she would go on uh, points of, you know, I remember saying, hey, you're right. Look at this uh, to the next day. Hey, you know, um, Satan's really intervening in our lives and things like that. So it was really a rocky period of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the man that I had replaced as bishop, she went to him and talked to him. Um, and um, I'm going to, you know, his advice to her is kind of funny now, but I'll let her tell that. But, you know, they, they weren't really trying to be supportive of what was going on, but rather tear us apart a little bit, you know, trying to keep her firm in the faith, knowing that I didn't believe, but yeah, maybe suggesting she might leave you if you're out. Right. Or that's that's the it. teaser for Shannon. Yeah. That was yeah. Recommendation oh, gosh. I've heard to her. that story a few times. Yeah. Way yeah. too many times, unfortunately. Yeah. But quick, quick aside with the garments, as you were saying that you found out they were Masonic. Mm -hmm. One time an Ottoman exhibit came to BYU, and do you know that the Ottomans wore garments under their armor? No, I didn't know. The that. soldiers, and they were cotton, and they also had the same markings on them. This garment was several hundred years old that I'm looking at in this museum exhibit on BYU's campus. It had my Mormon markings. I asked wow. people for years, why do the Muslims have my temple garment markings? No one knew the answer until one year I was in Israel with a Christian archaeologist, and he said, oh, I know the answer to that. Um, masonry runs through Islam like it runs through most Christian faiths. Really? Wow. I was okay. blown away. So yeah. there's something <laughs> shocking. <laughs> All right, Shannon. Well, yeah, so, so Shannon is trying to reconcile, uh, but, you know, it, it's time now for me to introduce to the stake, you know, the, a stake leader. So you've got these wards or the local congregation, right. and you've got a bishop or a branch president over that. It's kind of like a pastor in a church, but over him is a stake uh, mm -hmm. leader, stake president who's over several wards. And so I know that it's time for me to tell them what's going on in my life. Uh, but I really wanted Shannon to be in a better place first. So 
we didn't tell them right away. Um, in so right, this right. was February 2003. By March, late March, I would say, um, we were comfortable enough with where we were uh, that it was now time. So I went to the stake leadership and said, "Hey, um, I didn't tell them I got saved I, I, at right away, but I told them that you know I have had for the last several months." Uh, a number of issues, and I just really exposed to them what, what God had shown me during that, that window of time and why it was that I didn't believe. And of course, I brought history of the church and Mormon scriptures in. I was, you know, so adamant that that had to come from those books that it was easy to show them from their own books why, why I believe the way that I did. And the stake president said, Hey, we, we don't want you to tell any members of, in the ward what's been going on. Uh, and you're going to, you know, we want to meet with you once or twice a week and let's just go through each week and, um, we'll just try and reconcile this and put it all to rest for you. And I thought, sure. okay, yeah. game, game on. <laughs> because I knew at, th at this point there was no doubt, you know, from that moment that Jesus had showed up in my bedroom, I knew what I had to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, this was my first opportunity to be a missionary <laughs> to the state president, no less. So, wow. So then you start oh. these meetings. Now you said at that point, Shannon was comfortable with you pursuing this. So has she kind of come along and she's back to trusting what you've seen she's seen enough for herself yeah she's getting to that point now she knows that there's enough of a problem uh with what has transpired and what has been taught in the mormon church that you know it, it's, let's go forward in fact i think it was around this time we went even in uh back to atlanta from uh from brunswick to talk to her own parents so we went to her, first her mother and you know, I just laid it all out from her and her mother never went back to a Mormon church again. In fact, she got wow. baptized uh, you know, wow. a few years later as a Christian. And we went to and talked with my parents and exposed to them, you know, and, uh, you know, they they went through here trying to reconcile it. And just never were able to themselves. But that's about where the story stopped for them. But, you know, so we're, we're getting uh, to the end of this journey. But, uh, you know, we're still struggling. Shannon's still on her roller coaster. And um, right. And, I, you know, I, the number one thing to me was I didn't want to destroy my family. Um, and yeah. so, um, you know, I, I was on, a, I was, I'm in, you know, in sales as a career. And so I was on a business trip. And, you know, I, I just remember just being so distraught over the impact that this was having on our family and praying to God that, you know, uh, I don't know what to do. And, you know, should, should I even be taking my family through this? And um, the words, came into my mind I'm the way the truth and the blank and I couldn't think of what that last word was and so <laughs> I was sitting there on my uh, hotel bed trying to think of it and I thought oh, where, where is it where well, yeah exactly yeah, where is it and so John 14 came in and fortunately go to John 14 guess what it's there I'm the yep. way the truth and the life. 14 6 so you only had to go six verses in right <laughs> yeah but um but in verse one of John 14, it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And wow. uh, that was really, it wasn't about John 14, 6. It was about John 14, 1, that God had led me there because he knew that I was troubled and was questioning my path. And he's saying, believe me, just trust me. Um, and so I did. And so I went back home and um, things continued to progress well. Um, at, you know, meeting with the um, with the state presidency, that was quite a challenge. But again, I, I was leading them through scriptures and pointing, you know, they would, I wish I could remember some of the challenges that they brought to me, but, um, you know, we, we went through some of the doubts that I had and they would go to Salt Lake in some cases when it came to, in fact, 
me uh, talking about the polyandry of Joseph Smith, that he had married women who were married to other men. And I said, if you look at uh, the Doctrine and Covenants and what it says about plural marriage, there were three rules for plural marriage. One is, and I think this is in section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants, mm -hmm. that the, the first yes. wife has to give her consent. Yep, um, yep. Arguably, Emma never did, but some say she did. <laughs> Emma so, didn't know half the time, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. the second one was uh, they uh, those other wives could have been promised to no other man, and the third was that they had to be virgins. Right. Um, and if you the, the passage in the Doctrine of God says if you do these three things, it's not adultery. So what is it if any of those are broken? Well, let's say that Emma did agree with it. We we, we set that aside. But some of these women were married to other men at the same time that they were married to Joseph Smith. So right. they weren't committed to other men. That's a, right. bro they broke uh, section 132 and mm -hmm. some of them already had children. So clearly not virgin. So by Joseph Smith's own revelation, he was an adulterer. And when I pointed this out to the, uh, to the state presidency, boy, they got super mad at me. And uh, they went to uh, Salt Lake city. And then when I met with them the next time, I said, did you ask them what about what I'd shown you? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, what was the answer? And he said, tell that brother he's swimming in deep water. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> so was that a threat? I, thought, I took it that way. And oh. um, yeah, they took my recommend, uh, temple recommend away from me at that time. And, and that, that, that uh, moment was, I think, what nailed it down for Shannon. She knew when, okay. when, when they took my temple recommend away, made her mad for some reason. I was fine with it because I didn't believe anyway. Wasn't going to go back. Um, but that was the end of the road for her. And so on Easter Sunday of 2003, um, I stood up uh, in sacrament meeting and introduced the stake president and said, uh, stake president has a uh, announcement for you guys. And then he announced me being released after six or seven months uh, as bishop, I was released. And so we uh, left the stand, went, sat, mm -hmm. I left the stand, went, sat down with my family. And as soon as everyone bowed their head to, um, take the sacrament um then my family and i got up and left and that was the last day in the mormon church wow. wow so what about shannon and her own personal faith in christ i mean we're hoping to have her on because i'd love to have her perspective of this journey but can you tell us just kind of what happened with her um well so shannon's because we've got about two minutes left so Shannon was um, in vacation Bible school. Her uh, grandmother was uh, a Christian. Uh, it went to a Baptist church in the Atlanta area. Took okay. her to vacation Bible school, and she had gotten saved at eight, but then nobody ever took her to church again until my sister um, helped her get reconnected uh, into the Mormon church, and she got baptized then. So. But Okay, I, so, I really she, so God had kept his finger. Christ. God's been keeping his finger on, on the top of Shannon's head going, you're mine, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bring you back out. And so then for her, it was a reaffirmation of faith in Christ alone. Um, That's right. Had she seen the whole workspace, performance-based aspect of Mormonism? I'm not sure how you can miss it, but had that yeah, ever she, like... She like, knew shaped? that, but, but if you take someone who was taught grace at eight and then they don't get taught anything else, they're left with nothing really other than you know a, a nugget of faith. Um, and yeah, then when yeah. you get these Mormon missionaries and strong families like mine, was by then teaching her you know, you've got to do all these things to earn salvation and yeah she bought she bought that story but then coming out she was able to see so she wasn't antagonistic to the truth as you share with her hey this is you know this is a grace deal this is a gift mm -hmm. um yeah we all wow. we always believed it was too simple to believe that um that it's through faith alone but the bible clearly says that you know it's not by our own works, um, lest any man should boast.
Yeah. And wow. that eight-year-old son never got baptized LDS. Oh, he did. Oh, oh. really? <laughs> he did. He turned eight on February 6th. I was, uh, I hadn't talked to Shannon yet, so, but I'm a Christian. And so I knew, what do you do? <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I baptized him, but I knew that it was wrong and it wasn't going to mean anything. But, you know, that, that's another fascinating story. I wish we had more time to talk about how God exposed to this eight-year-old that uh, what he was learning in a Mormon church was wrong. And he mm. did. Well, John, what I'd like to do is I'd love okay. to have you and Shannon back on together so we can mm. hear Shannon's story and maybe the rest of your family. Because obviously God has led you, I mean, he led you out of the Mormon church, obviously led you into Christian faith, um, a, a solid church home. I happen to know that from knowing you personally. But I'd love for you to be able to share that with our audience. So I, I think what we'll try and do is um, at, a, at a future time, hopefully not too far from now, um, set up something um, with you and Shannon and kind of get the rest of your family story and just how much God has transformed your lives. Because um, like I say, you've been mentoring people now for, I don't know, 10, 15 years with us. And it's just amazing how God used everything he brought you through in Mormonism to now turn around and use that to build his kingdom. So I, I think that's where we're going to have to leave it for this episode. And we'll, just, we'll set something up. So listeners, um, just pay attention to the podcast. You can find all of our episodes at unveilinggracepodcast.com. And Lynn, you've been quiet for a while here. So I want you to have the last bit of the minutes we've got here. Oh, the questions I have, we're going to have to do in another episode, I'm okay. sure. <laughs> but um Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this family. And I am eager to again hear the story of each of those journeys, and particularly for Mormons who listen, to hear that before and after, how your life is different now, and, and what the reasons are for choosing the Jesus of the Bible. Um, we, we give him praise for what he does in our lives. Until next time, grace and peace to you. So long. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.